I'm Aria Schwartz, along with my co-host, Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This episode, we got hot takes with Gabe. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the W. I got Rachel back in the booth. I got Gabe in the booth. We're talking hot takes, WNBA hot takes, uh, no holds bar, no judgment. The only judgment will be our peers talking smack about how bad of a take that is. Um, basis of the rules for this episode are each of us will, will read a hot take of ours. Um, and who the other two will decide who gets to uh, debate it, who gets to say why that person is an idiot and wrong, and the person will get a rebuttal, and we move on. We're trying to be civilized because we know any of these hot takes could could spiral down into an episode all in their own. Um, being as Gabe's only been on the podcast like four times, and Rachel's been MIA over the pond, you know, <laughs> sipping wine and seeing cool stuff all over Europe. I'm going to go first with not the hottest take, but might be a little offensive to people who, who bleed uh, Indiana. Nafisa Collier is Tamika Catchings 2.0. Okay. Okay. Who wants to tell me I'm wrong? Well, lead us, lead us down your, your path here. Your reasoning. My reasoning, honestly, it's pretty simple. Um, When I think of Tamika Catchings, I think of a complete all-around player who can really take the load of the team and really just completely change the organization. You talk about Tamika, the things that come to mind is a lockdown defender who can honestly cover anyone, not ideally a point guard, but could cover anybody on the court. Not ideally a center, but could cover anybody on the court. A player who, if required to, can take the load of scoring. A player who, if required to, can become the leader. Um, and that's what I see in Nafisa. If if Minnesota asked Nafisa to become that much greater of a scorer, I think she would excel at that. But she hasn't been asked to do that. And everything she has been asked to do, she's been doing it with a Tamika catching swag. Gabe, go ahead. And then I actually have a comment as well. So, Gabe, you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, let's see. So... I do. I love Nafisa. I think she's the rookie of the year. I think she's been the most consistent rookie this year, and I think she's going to be a great player in this league. However, I am a little bit concerned about how much better she can be, and she would need to get substantially better. Be Tamika Catchings. That's no shot at Nafisa. Obviously, Nafisa is a rookie, and Tamika's one of the legends of this game. But I just don't. She's already almost a finished product on defense. Like I struggle to see how much better she could possibly be defensively offensively i think she has some room to grow as far as not turning the ball over being able to run an offense to kind of bring um you know some more stability to an offense rather than you know what she's doing as a rookie which is just she turns the ball over some and that's uh that's obviously an issue but it's gonna get better with the turnovers my concern though is she's already shooting 49 percent from the field and she's taking a lot of shots this is 
unsustainably good shooting. And then and again, not a shot in Afisa. I think she's going to be a great player. But I don't see how you go up from a season that you're shooting almost 50% from the field over its entirety as a per, mainly perimeter player. So I'm just concerned that we're seeing much closer to the finished product of Nafisa than, you know, we we would like to see if you're thinking that she's going to be a next Tamika catcher. Rachel, can I rebuttal before you get your comment in? Fire away, go ahead. Oh, my, my, I hear where you're coming from. My immediate gut reaction to that is as simply put as she's the third or fourth option of scoring on this roster. Yes, she's, you know, putting up some numbers that you question whether or not she can continue to grow. I will say that field goal percentage is better than Tamika's. So when when I compare the stats of rookie seasons between these two players, the one thing that concerns me is the scoring amount um, that Tamika really had. You know, I think it was like a six point per game difference than what Fee's putting up. But to me, that's not a big concern because Fee's not the number one or number two and arguably three, arguably four uh, go-to scorers. That doesn't concern me at all. What you got, Rachel? I just want to be very honest. When you first brought this up to me a couple of weeks ago, I about threw my phone into I remember that. the Atlantic Ocean. Um, anyway, now that I have had some time to think about this, um, I think it was a vigorous defense of to make a catchings and growing up in the fever territory. And it was like this initial reaction where I was like, how dare you compare her to Tamika catchings, who is, in my opinion, we had this debate a long time ago, the goat of women's basketball. Now that I've stepped back and I've allowed my emotions to subside, <laughs> I see what you're saying. And I, I do think there's some validity, validity to it. Um, I, I, I think Nafisa Collier is an incredible um, rookie. I think she should have been, <laughs> the first round draft pick. Um, she's a Swiss army knife in terms of her ability on the court, what she can do on both ends of the ball. I mean, I don't need to go through and explain this. We've been debating this and everyone's been at each other's throats for, for weeks now, but I think she's incredible um, just from, from a versatility standpoint and what she can do, especially from a longevity standpoint in this league. But it was interesting. I saw a graphic. Um, I think it was on ESPN that was comparing Tamika catchings and, and, uh, Fisa Collier's rookie stats, um, both of them, their rookie season scored over 400 points, had over 200 rebounds, had 80 plus assists, and at least 60 steals. So that was one kind of comparison that I had said I saw that really opened my eyes. I was like, wow, that really does show the versatility and uh, the impact that both of these players have, you know, on on the game. And and, and although it is hard for me to sit here and compare someone to Tamika Catchings, it is possible though, you know, that we are seeing um, someone that at least is able to be talked about in a manner of versatility, the way Catchings was, because I mean, I think, I think she's got the potential there and to Gabe kind of to, to echo what you were saying, I, I, I agree with you in terms of where is her ceiling? Um, can she get better? Um, I, I feel like she's just scratching the surface. Um, and I think even if this were, kind of, I think she's a steady player. Mm-hmm. I think through, through the course of her career, her stat line is going to be like this every single year. Um, and, and even if that, even if that's the case, you know, even if her, her, her shooting percentages drop from year to year, or maybe rise up, maybe if she rebounds go up, whatever they, they're, they're going to fluctuate obviously. But um, even if she does flatline, if you will, she's going to have <laughs> an all-star career, you know? So um, I don't know, just, just kind of my take on that first, Aria, I thought you were crazy, but now I see what you're saying. I, I, I'm okay with comparing the two more than I was two weeks ago. 
hey, I'll take any time that I can convince Rachel of anything. So, <laughs> Gabe, you're up next. What's your hot take? What you got? All right. I want to bring us back to the here and now, to this year, and talk about the playoffs because I think there will be something that happens in this year's playoffs that has never happened before. Well, in the current playoff system that we have, and that is a team playing on Wednesday night in the fu- in the first round single elimination game will make it to the finals. It has not happened in the new playoff format, which was instituted in 2015. And Phoenix was real close last year, as we all remember. But I just think all of the teams that are playing on Wednesday, the Sky, the Storm, the Lynx, and the Mercury are all in that territory of, we do not want to see you in the playoffs. All these teams are too good. All these teams have too much experience. Well, in the case of the Lynx, Storm, Mercury have too much experience in the playoffs for you to be comfortable. And I think Chicago is one of the most explosive teams in the league, probably second behind Washington. That team can just go off for a hundred and then you're out of the playoffs. So I think this is finally the year that one of these quote unquote wildcard teams is going to make it to the finals. However, I have not thought about this one too much uh, because I think that the Mystics are going to get to the finals, obviously. So that means that in order for the Mystics to not have to play one of the teams from this weekend, two of the teams from this weekend are going to have to make the semifinals. So that is my secondary hot take to this hot take, that there will be two teams playing on Wednesday that make it to the semis, and one of them will make it to the finals. Rachel, you want this, or can I go, uh, as they say, Stephen A? <laughs> go ahead. It's all you. Gabe, you're crazy. No. All right. <laughs> Here's the thing. I hear where you're coming from. And a week ago, I would have completely agreed with you. The Mercury are abysmal right now. Diana Taurasi looks like she needs to just hang it up for the season, come back next year when she's healthy, and actually play. And the way that that <laughs> offense is run, they're not doing anything to go deep in the playoffs unless Taurasi is knocking down deep shots. Uh, Chicago is not consistent. Minnesota cannot score. And Seattle cannot score. So my question is, how are you going to have, I mean, the Mercury and the Sky who are playing each other both make it there. Well, I don't so here, see it here. Let me let me tell you my two. I, I'm going with the Sky, and I'm going with the Lynx to make it to the semi, and then the Sky beating the Sun into the finals. Ooh, 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 ooh. I'm, it's hot, hot baby. Day. It's spicy. Caliente, muy caliente. There we go. Okay, well, all right. Let's move on. Rules of the game. No, you 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 defended your statement. Now let's move on. Next. Hot take that I got, and this might be the hottest. This might be the ghost pepper. This might be that chip that uh, Shaq ate and had to run off set. Coach T of the Washington Mystics will not ri- win a ring as the head coach in his head coaching career. Ooh. Ooh. Mike, drop. That's pun intended. That's very, very, very spicy. Brutal. Very. And, and, and anybody Gabe. want to tell me why I'm wrong? Rachel, you can, well. No, okay, okay. I, if Washington's going to win a championship, it needs to be this year. Now, that's not to say, it, I won't be saying the same thing a year from now, because they could very well be this dominant a year from now. I just feel like this is a team with where they're at, with where the way they're trending, the way Elena's health has held up, everything that's going on points towards this should be Washington's year to go win this thing. However, 
there has always been that question mark is can coach T can this team get it done come playoff time called an Achilles heel call it like a curse I don't know we've heard a bunch of different stuff there is in my mind a little bit of a question mark of like is he gonna get that ring like is he finally gonna get over that hump and get that ring um I don't know. I mean, I hear you. I hear. I hear the take, I but Rachel, I want to believe that this is the year and they're going to do it. I, yeah. No. I look. I agree. I think if they do win it, it's simply and, and this is going to everyone's going to think, oh, he hates the Mystic. But it's going to be because of all the injuries that have plagued this 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 league. I mean, they don't like. Yeah, Christy Tolliver is injured, but they don't really have real injuries that have affected them. Um, but but my rebuttal is, it's less of a hot take when it comes to. Coach T, it's more of a isolating which aspect I think he's really talented at and amazing at, and I think he's an amazing GM, but not necessarily an amazing coach. We've seen him with with very talented rosters, Lindsey Whalen, all that jazz in Connecticut, and we've seen him with talented rosters in D.C., but he hasn't been able to deliver on the big stage. I, I'm a prove it. I'm a prove it to me type of guy. So no, I mean, all right, cool. I- yeah. Wait, can I can I chime in here? Okay, as a Mystic Speed yeah. reporter, I feel like I have a I have a say here. Um, so I would say that it's it's hard to like pick and choose what is the GM and what is the coach because, like we always talk about, mm-hmm. the Mystics do a great job of player development and they do a great job of pick players. Picking players is obviously in the GM's area, winning games obviously in the coach's area. But where is player development and teams committing to that? Because I think that's what Coach Diaz has done so well. And I also think when you watch this offense, I mean, what he's done is basically take himself out of the offense. They really freelance like most of the game. There's not that many set plays. He's not out there hooting and hollering to, to run X plays, mainly giving directions on defense. So to me, it's like he's done a great job this year realizing that he's just put it in place. He didn't. He doesn't have to do all the coaching stuff that other coaches see. So I do think he's going to get that ring. I think he is just as good of a coach. All right, as I, he is I just need to get one last rebuttal in, and I I just feel like your last statement kind of not necessarily supported my original hot take of he doesn't <laughs> win the ring as head coach, but more so supports my my overarching hot take of he's a better GM than he is coach because he's wise enough to say. And maybe you can say you know, hey, that's a coaching aspect. But to me, it's it's his ability to say. You know, I I know to step back and let the players play and not to overly coach. Um, Rachel, what you got? I just think it's now or never. That that's how I feel. I think it's now or never. If he's going to get a ring, it's going to happen this year. If it doesn't happen this year, I, I don't I don't think it's going to happen for him. So you kind of agree with me? No. <laughs> um, all right, all right, Gabe. Gabe, I know you got another hot take. What you talking about? Uh, well, this is also kind of a, a mystics focused hot take, but I think more teams should look into the um, Mystics arena style model of, of kind of putting your own um, place in some community that doesn't typically get this sort of attention. So for what the Mystics did is they uh, moved into a joint facility with the Capital City Go-Go of the uh, NBA G League. That's the, the stadium is owned by the Wizards conglomerate. And it's in... Southeast D.C., and if you're not familiar with D.C., Southeast D.C. you see some tough days, but it's uh, sort of one of these areas that's on the come up, and they actually put it in this old, like, mental hospital facility that's going to be developed. It's no longer a mental hospital. No one worry. But it's going to be developed up into a whole community in this area that has never been invested in. And it's just really awesome to see 
the fans get invested into this team in a way that they haven't in the past. I think my hot take, I think it's a hot take because when you first look at the Mystic Stadium, you say, oh, only what it's 4,000 people maximum in the arena. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's a really small like number, and you're thinking, and that was my first reaction was, this is such a small number in such a far off part of DC that's hard to get to, that people aren't going to show up, and and you know, give or take your attendance numbers, they it's kind of been empty some days, but when it's been full because the stadium is so small, and because the community is so invested in something that they haven't had before. It's rocking. I mean, there was the game against Seattle a couple weeks ago that was absolutely crazy. The game against LA was really fun as well. And I think just the energy there is really uh, impressive. So I would say if you can get your stadium to like 6,000 seats in somewhere that hasn't had that sort of attention before, I think teams should look into more and do it. While I, I, while I, I hear what you're saying, while I agree, um, the – the jerk in me just says there is little to nothing about the Mystics new stadium that other teams around the league <laughs> should be modeling after. I say that. And and look, I my issue is the stadium itself doesn't know what it is. Is it a training facility? Is it an arena for the G League? Is it an arena for the WNBA? Is it a concert venue? They don't know what they are. So for me, if you're telling me, okay, may, like when I heard the idea of this new arena, I said, yeah, I like that. Cool. Great. Let's do that. But now being there for a season, I say this could have been approached more WNBA. Focused. I totally agree with that for sure. I'm not talking about the stadium operations. It's just like, I just like that they have kind of their own place and they always bring it up as like something they really like. And, you know, the distance doesn't bother them. It gets a decent crowd. Um, but I do, I do understand that there's a lot of, it, it does feel like it is a training facility and somewhere that a lot of other teams play. But if it's, if a WNBA team can get their own place, like, like the mystics have, but even, even in the mystics, it, it does feel like their own place. They're kind of the biggest show in town for that. Like not that many people go to capital city, go, go games. Yeah, true. Rachel, what you got? I, Love the idea of a franchise having their own facility. I've never been out to this arena, so I can't really speak to that. I um, just want to make a really bad joke about Allstate Arena for my Chicago. (laughs) I'm just thankful that that is no longer in existence in the league. That's all I want to say. I'm with you on that. All right, cool. I got a hot take for us. And, And this might be a little bit crazy. When all four are done with their WNBA career. Tierra McCowan will have the greatest career of them all. Better than Nafisa, mm. better than Arike, and better than Asia Durr. Tell me I'm wrong. Mm. Shut, shut. Rachel I, can't because I, I did this one for Rachel because she loves the Bigs, so. But, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think I think it's it, it all depends on why, how are you gauging best, like like individual accolades stats team success what's what's your gauge there my gauge is like tiara will be in a discussion as one of the w greats none of these other will in in the same in that same sense like look i I, earlier in the episode i said fee is going to be the next tamika and tamika is very much so the goat of the w so i understand the contradictoriness of this what i'm saying is is like 
Fee will be the corner. I mean, sorry, McCowan will be the cornerstone of a team oh, wow. Off for the, top the next, you know, 15 years. You know, I'm going to surprise you. I'm going to disagree <laughs> with you. I think Arike holds that, that territory. Ooh. <laughs> Where's Skylar Diggins? I need, I need her to have my back. <laughs> yeah, right. Watch out. I'm going to get stabbed. Um, Wait. All right. I, I, look, I, so I hear I, that. I, I too disagree with this and uh, I'm probably going to go, I think, so one of my hot takes was that Enrique actually has a higher ceiling. So we were getting into this regardless, I guess. Um, so Enrique has a higher ceiling than uh, Fee just because she has more to grow on, de- on the defensive end. But as far as McCowan goes, I'm just not sure the game is going to stay in such a way that she can be effective because that's one of the things we've been seeing in that uh so you look at bg right you look in bg and phoenix and they don't have a good offense but she's doing so many post-ups she's been the whole focal point of that offense in the post and i think a big reason why they don't have a great offense is because of those post-ups and that's not a hot take that was told that was not hot enough of a take and i think that's the same thing that's gonna happen with cowan as we go further into the future we're probably still gonna be on three-point space and pace sort of uh trend for at least what five years another 10 years until we go back to getting inside so i'm just unsure i'm unsure where her uh bigs positioning like where is it going to be how important is that going to be in the future so i would go both fee and enrique better than uh mccallan i i, I and i uh, that's not to take away from mccallan I mean, McCowan's dominance, that that only comes every, gosh, I don't even know how often. I mean, you don't get get a player like Tier McCowan that comes through the league very often. Um, You know, one of those true rim protector, BG, Sylvia Fowles, Tier McCowan with with just sheer size. Um, And I think she's playing with a ton of confidence. You know, the presence that she has alone, if she can stay healthy and, and, and be on a team that knows how to utilize her the right way, she's going to have a tremendous career. There's no doubt about it. You know, a future all-star, in my opinion. Uh, but again, if we're just comparing it to just this rookie class in general and, and what they're capable of doing, I mean, this is going to – I think this this class in general is going to go down as, you know, epic, epic proportions with, with those three alone. We haven't even talked about, you know, Jackie Young, who – very quietly is 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 going to be a, a great steady player in this league for a long time. So um, it's nothing against Tierra McCowan at all. She's going to have a fantastic um, All Star career, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that, Rachel. I know you got a hot take. Let's, let's do I do. My hot take is probably going to. Um, I'm excited to hear the reaction that some of you have with this. Um, Amber Stocks should be considered for the Fever head Ooh. coaching position. Gabe, you want you want to go on this or, or no? You, you can go ahead, Arya. All right, cool. I, I Rachel, you crazy? No, <laughs> um, I've, I've just been looking forward to this episode where I can just have like crazy reactions to anything anyone says. You're crazy. Um, Amber Stocks, and I know that people are going to pull up old podcast episodes where I said she should have got more years. Amber Stocks, she should have had more years. She should have had more years. But let's put it this way. What's going to be the surface level reaction from everybody? What Indiana's just taking the scraps from Chicago? Absolutely, and thank you. You took my you took my words right out of my mouth. I get the reaction of how are you going to bring in someone who oh they just take whoever Chicago fires, and I get that's the reaction, um, and I get that both Pokey and Amber came from Chicago and and you know whatever. But if you really dive into 
the situation, peel back that first level, that initial reaction and dive into this further and pay attention to Stocks' young career as a head coach. What she did in Chicago um, is is for, she, she inherited a, a, a disaster. And again, I, I, I just happened to have this perspective because it's home for me. And I was very involved in the situation because I was there all the time and, and could see firsthand kind of what was taking place throughout the years there. I mean, we're talking about a franchise that had Quigley, not well, Quigley coming off the bench and having Sloot coming off the bench. I mean, this was Kathy Pondexter's team along with Elena Deladon. So look where this franchise has gone from back when Pokey was coaching to now we're talking about um, Vandersloot being an MVP candidate. Um, and a lot of that took place during Stocks' era. Stocks is the one who took over this roster, completely revamped the entire thing, made it her personal mission to fight and claw and scratch for diamond to shields. Okay. Now she made some, she, she made some, some mistakes throughout her career. We can go back and forth on that, but the Chicago sky roster looks the way it does right now in large part because of Amber stocks and the work she put within those two years. And let's just remember, she only had two years, which I think, uh, you know, we all could go back a year, a year ago and talk about why was she let go so early? Why that was so bizarre because we all kind of felt like this year for the sky could have been a year where they really turned that corner. They really took that next step and they have. Um, now I'm not trying to take anything away from James White. He's doing a tremendous job. Um, I think probably with some of the chemistry issues that maybe were going on in Chicago, a fresh face was exactly what they needed. So um, I know, you know, Amber stocks knows, knows, knows the game. Um, she knows, personnel. I think the biggest, she's a great coach. I I really admire the way she views the game. And, and I think she, she needs another shot. I do. I I just think I I really believe in kind of her vision. If she can get the right assistance and, and folks around her and the right franchise around her, um, she's, she's, she's a tough cookie. I'm telling you, she knows basketball. Um, and I would love to see her get another shot and and a franchise like Indiana and the way they run it, I think would be a great fit for her. Yeah, I mean, hey, you you defended yourself quite gallantly. Um, we got I, all right. Well, we're talking about coaches, so I want to talk. I'm going to put you on the spot, um, and you don't even need to explain yourself or anything like that too much. But I do want to ask you. We're looking at these, all right, I guess, eleven coaches in the W. Give me, give me a hot take, Rachel. Is there a coach out there that you think might surprise some people and? right off into the sunset after this year? Well, I think we just, no no one's really surprised about Pokey being fired. Um, As much as you hate that for a person, we all probably felt like in some way this was, there was a high chance of this happening. Um, My next gut reaction, you might question New York. Could they make a coaching change there? But I'm going to switch it up on you. I think um, we're going to see something completely out of left field and Dan Hughes will not return from to Seattle. It's very hot. Thoughts? That's a hot take. Very hot take. Well, let's lay it out. I mean, you know, the man got his first WNBA championship last year in Seattle. The injuries, the cancer, the, you know, just overall, there is, there's been a lot going on there. Honestly, I'll throw it out there and and I'll say, and this is going to be weird because it goes... Back you on it. I know what you're going to say. I'm going to back you on it. All right. Well, I I I was 
going to disagree with you, but the part of me that is going like as much as I, I love you, Rachel, I'd love to disagree with you more. Um, but on this, I like to give more validity to what you're saying. I mean, like everyone's seen Sue Bird in the huddles. I mean, this, right. first of all, let me let me preface this. I, I feel like I don't even need to, but like Dan Hughes, amazingly nice guy, cool guy, amazing tie selection, great music lover, cool guy, <laughs> nice guy. But you got to quite when you constantly are seeing this and when you see like I don't have the stats right in front of me, but it's it's pretty clear to me that the team plays better when Sue Bird is on the bench. And I know you can say, oh, it's because they want to show up for their teammate and blah, blah, blah. Cut the BS. No, she's, do, she's doing more. We all know. And if you don't, if you don't open your eyes. If you don't know, now you know. So. <laughs> So expanding on this though, is this a is this a hot take that not only will there be a coaching change in Seattle, but it'll be Suber doing more of the either work or like taking the job? Interested in that. No, I don't think they're taking the job. What do you think, Aria? I, I see. I see yeah, I don't just, see her taking the job. I, I don't know. Playing. No, I don't think she's done playing. She's not I done just, playing, and she doesn't want to be a player coach. And also, I feel like her interests might be a little bit less in the head coaching, maybe more so in GM, president of operations, that type of stuff. Um, but I will guarantee this, whoever they hire next, not only has the Sue Bird seal of approval, also the brand oh, yeah. seal of approval. Oh, yeah. They need it. I mean. I got a question. Who's the hottest name in terms of young coaches? Um who have not been head coaches, young or maybe assistants, hottest name in women's basketball right now to go get that uh, first head coaching position. Well, I, I think you have to automatically think about Coach T's. Really? I think Eric is hands down. Yeah. I like, yeah. Oh, Eric, uh, like, for, uh, from my understanding, um, he interviewed for a position last year in Dallas. Um, and mm. as rumor has it, uh, he turned down that position. You know, obviously, who says what and who who tells information and whatnot definitely skews because there's many sides to a different story. Um, but let's be real. My, my take is Coach T's done after the season, and that's why he's been grooming his son to take over and has kind of, you know, set him into that position of like, I'm going to step aside, maybe be the GM for a few years, you're going to be the new head coach and take over this team that I built and then we kind of built together. Wow. So now that now we're having coaching changes in Washington and Seattle and Indiana. We could see a lot of coaching changes this year. I think it is entirely possible. I like it. All right. Well, as we say, we believe the players of the W and its community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receives on a daily basis. With that in mind, please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work that we do.